Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton. I'm joined today by a special guest, former athletic director of the University of Texas, Mike Perrin. Uh, Mr. Perrin, thank you for joining us today. Uh, not only, not a lot of people know this, but not only was Mike the athletic director at Texas uh, from 2015 to 2017, uh, directly preceding Chris Del Conte, uh, but Mike also played at Texas, uh, was on the 68 team where they invented or inserted the wishbone uh, and started the 30-game win streak. Uh, Mr. Parent, thank you for joining us and uh, look forward to hearing your insights on the Texas OU game as, as well as some Longhorn history today. Bobby, delighted to be with you. I always enjoy uh, listening to you and watching your podcast, so it'll be a, be a lot of fun. Thank you for calling me and uh, kind of triggering some uh, memories of uh, things a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, let's just get down to it. I mean, it's Texas OU week, and, you know, there are a lot of things that, that happen when you're a student at Texas or, or when you're a Texas fan, uh, but the the mere thought of Texas OU sends a little tingle down my spine, if that makes sense. And now I was never a player at Texas. You were. And I want to know if you guys, as, as a player back then, and I know they do today, but as a player back then, did y'all get that same sense, that same feel uh, for this kind of matchup? Absolutely. Uh, you remember Coach Royal played for Oklahoma in the 40s, and uh, I remember vividly my sophomore year. Uh, in those days, freshmen played a separate schedule, so my sophomore year was my first exposure to uh, OU week, and uh, it was just different uh, from the get-go. Coach Royal told all of us uh, sophomores, uh, y'all have never seen anything like this. The stadium is divided equally. People are people are rabid. They're leaning over the rails, yelling at you. Uh, it's it's going to be hot out there on the floor of the Cotton Bowl Stadium, and uh, uh, there's just nothing like it. Uh, in addition, that week, uh, all week long, former players would come back. Uh, they would be there at practice on the sidelines, and a very intense. Uh, uh, just everything about that game is special. It always has been, apparently, uh, certainly. <laughs> I can say since the mid '60s, it has been. Uh, there's nothing like it in college football. Nothing. Well, I'll tell you like what, it. uh, it's it's very interesting to me because uh, you know these are two very proud universities, uh, two that uh, really pride themselves on the tradition of their football programs. Um, and for so long, back when you played, it wasn't a conference matchup. In the last 25 years, almost 30 years now, it's been a conference matchup. Uh, you've been an administrator as well. And I want to get your take on the Longhorns to the SEC, because you you were kind of in and out of that scenario where you didn't deal with conference realignment, per se, as an administrator. Right. You had already you you came in inheriting the Big 12. And that was before there was enough time, really, to even think about moving conferences. As you look at it, Mike, what do you think about Texas and and Oklahoma moving to the SEC? I mean, that, that would have been unheard of 20 or 30 years ago, but. College football changes. Uh, you excited about the move? What are your thoughts? Well, I've got thoughts on several levels, Bobby. It's a great question. Uh, you're right. I wasn't involved in the uh, lead up to the move or uh, the implementation of it uh, that's ongoing. But uh, one of the first things I did when I was appointed athletic director was uh, seek out the termination dates of the various uh, contract relationships between the conferences and, and the broadcasters. And uh, it was clear. Uh, I can't remember the exact dates now, but I had a little index card I had in my pocket that showed when the various uh, contracts came up. And those are very, very, very complicated contracts. The rights are very valuable. 
they go on for a long time in some cases. And uh, they're the kind of thing that you can't wait till the last minute and then say, oh, by the way, let's renew or let's extend or let's change these terms. They, they are uh, a bedrock of the uh, media rights that are going to be flowing to the conferences and the schools for many years to come. So I was very aware of it. Uh, I felt like uh, just looking at the, the, the country and the geography and the footprints of the conferences, that uh, realignment was certainly a strong possibility. Uh, I certainly couldn't have foreseen uh, the, the ACC now going to the Pacific Coast as well, but uh, I, I, I wasn't surprised when moves started being made. I really wasn't. I thought that was a strong possibility. And part of it is when you look at the number of eyeballs in the center of the country, uh, you know, Kansas, uh, Nebraska, Iowa, through through those sparsely populated states, going then west to the Rocky states, the, the population centers and the eyeballs, which drive a lot of the viewing uh, numbers that drive the money, uh, they're, they're concentrated. And uh, having thought back in the, I guess, probably 12 years ago or so, having thought about the then possibility of Texas and others going west, uh, that really doesn't work for the University of Texas. Uh, it's one thing for football. You typically fly out on Friday afternoon, you play a game Saturday, and you return to the stadium uh, to the to the uh, uh, home campus site right after the game, so that for the next week you're back on the same pregame schedule. But for sports that play during the week, uh, basketball, baseball, softball. Uh, golf, uh, things that, you know, are travel intensive and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that is really, really hard. So I felt like we needed to look to the, to the East, either the Southeast or possibly the ACC, if, if that was going to happen. And let me just say, I played no part in, in any of that. I, I didn't, but I, I wasn't surprised when moves begin being made. Uh, I, I did have a funny incident. I was sitting in my office the day that broke that Texas and uh, Oklahoma were moving. Uh, somebody sent me a screenshot and I thought it was a joke. So I, I was sitting there and all of a sudden my phone rings and it's David Barron from the Houston Chronicle calling from, there was something going on in Asia at the time. I forget if it was an Olympic year or what, but uh, it was middle of the night and David was calling me. What did I know about that? And I said, well, David, I just saw a, screenshot and I thought it was a joke and he said no I think it's real and certainly the uh, news broke and continued to be a dominant uh, issue since then yeah absolutely uh, Mike you you've obviously I mean you've done so much in your career thank you for I want to say this not only were you a player but you also your wife was head of the Longhorn Foundation uh, you you served on the women women's athletics council for a number of years then you came back at a, at a somewhat tumultuous time at the University of Texas, Steve Patterson uh, not renewed or let go or however you want to put it, uh, right? And you served as an interim and then became na be named uh, the uh, athletic director to serve as a, a kind of a conduit, right, to the next phase and to, to try to right the ship, right, and, and keep it on steady uh, ground. And I think you did a wonderful job. And as a Longhorn myself, I appreciate that. And I know other people – uh, that would say the same thing. Now we have Chris Del Conte comes in and succeeds you. Kevin Eltife's the chair of the Board of Regents. Jay Hartzell, uh, the uh, president of the university. It seems like those three are working in conjunction as well as at any time I can recall at the university. 
do you get that sense? I mean, I, I know you're not involved day to day and you're, you're looking on it more from an outside now, but do you get the sense that those guys, those three guys are really working together and, and you feel that from a guy that's been in their position and been in their shoes before? Uh, not only do I get that impression, I know it for a fact. Uh, they are three exceptional leaders. And uh, when you uh, attend as many events as I do and hear them speak and make presentations, uh, all three are uh, a, a, just a, a dynamic uh, team uh, leading our uh, university in all phases. Uh, and Chris, as athletic director, is exceptional. Uh, just in the, the way things are meant to be, my first week on the job, I met him at the first meeting of the Big 12 athletic directors uh, that, that first week and uh, had known of him, of course, when he was at Rice and, and uh, knew of him at TCU, but we had not personally met till that week. We hit it off and uh, I'm, I'm just so impressed with what he's done as, uh, as athletic director. I think he's probably, you know, if not the best in the country, one of the top two or three. He's just exceptional. Uh, that, if, if someone if someone succeeds you, that's the kind of person you want to succeed you, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I do think that uh, I was uh, very blessed when uh, President Finvis called me to have had, uh, at that point, 50 years of involvement, uh, initially as a player and then as a former player, a donor, season ticket holder, served on committees and things like that. Uh, so I was while I'd never been in that big chair, uh, I, I felt like I could serve. And remember, we had already played uh, two games at that point. Soccer was underway. The classes had been going on for a month. The, the train had left the station. So my job was to try to uh, re restore the basis of uh, love and affection that our fans uh, historically had felt and uh, serve as uh, someone trying to right the ship, uh, steady the, the course. And, and uh, I, I felt like having played for Coach Royal, uh, knowing people like Joe Jamail and Red McCombs at that time, uh, that just that just helped uh, give me a, a strong uh, tie to younger people because my children all went here. I, you know, uh, Wheel Smith, for instance, is active with the NIL. Uh, he was in school with my boys. Uh, I've just... <laughs> I've been around a long time in a lot of different roles and uh, uh, have two degrees from the University of Texas, uh, enjoyed immensely my interaction uh, with the faculty at large and certainly the faculty members on the athletic council. So uh, I felt like that was my job was to restore a feeling of uh, unity and drive and community and then when you take uh, dynamic leaders like uh, like Jay Hartzell and uh, Chairman Eltife, uh, add them to the team with with Chris Delconi, it's a it's a dynamite winning combination, and I'm so proud of what they've done. I'm very happy and proud to follow their lead and and uh, love very much what what we're seeing, uh, not only uh, on the field and on the court, but uh, everything about the program, the academic counseling, the uh, participation of uh, alums coming back. It's just, it's, it's wonderful. It's Texas United. And something that Chris has often talked about is when, when the university of Texas community is as one, then it's a mighty force to be reckoned with. And I agree with him. I think that's awesome. Thanks for, thanks for letting people uh, hear your vision of that and what, what's going on behind the scenes. I got to say this. Um, my dad grew up a Texas fan, like many people's dads out there. And that's how I became a Texas fan in part. 
And I would be uh, completely remiss if I did not ask you about the, the wishbone and how it all started uh, back in 1968. You were on the team. Now, you're on defense, so we'll, we'll keep that uh, to you, I believe. But Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. You know, you guys and everything that y'all did really laid a pathway for a new style of football, uh, for a 30-game win streak. Just take us back, if you don't mind, and, and do it for my dad, of all people, and tell him, give him a little sense of that 68 season when uh, Embry Blard and, and Coach Royal it started implementing that and, and the season as a whole, because it didn't start off like great shakes. You didn't know if it was going to work at the first, right? So give, give people a little uh, uh, rundown history lane. Well, uh, Bobby, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back to 65 to where, where it started with our senior class. Uh, we were freshmen, and as I mentioned, freshmen played a separate schedule. Uh, our head football coach as freshman was a guy named Bob Schultz, a former high school coach in the Houston area. But his uh, assistants consisted of Tommy Ford, former running back, uh, great, great star for Texas in the early 60s. And then a number of players from the 1963 national champions uh, were either in law school or graduate school or whatever. They were still on campus. So our coaching staff, Duke Carlisle, <laughs> former quarterback for the national champs, uh, Benny House, Jim Besselman, Clarence Bray, the great Charlie Talbert. Uh, it, it was uh, leadership that we did not want to disappoint. And uh, the 66 season when we were sophomores, uh, we still had that drive. Uh, that's, team was okay. We were six and four, but came on strong at the end and beat Ole Miss in the Blue Bonnet Bowl. The next year, uh, so-called 67 year of the Horns, uh, didn't go so well. We started off uh, playing uh, O.J. Simpson out in California and lost. <laughs> ended up being, being six and four, but it was a different six and four that year. We lost our last two games. And I, I say that to set the stage now for 68. So 67, we lost our last two games. First game of 68, we tie U of H 20 to 20 there in Austin, a hard fought game. Uh, then we go out to Texas Tech the next week and uh, we're still learning some things about the wishbone, but at halftime of that game, uh, Bill Bradley had been our, our starting quarterback for three years. And at halftime of that game, Coach Royal changed. He took Bill out as quarterback and put James Street in. And we outscored Texas Tech on points just in the second half, but we couldn't quite close the gap where they had opened their lead in the first half. So at that point, we're <laughs> over our last four games, we are zero, three losses, and one tie. And, of course, in the movie uh, My All-American, uh, that next week we had a team meeting. Uh, that and it's in that movie where uh, – James and Bill, who were dear friends, uh, were talking about changing and uh, Bill going to uh, play receiver and defense and James being the quarterback. And our captains were Carby Robertson, Chris Gilbert, and Bill Bradley. And the three of them spoke that Monday. Uh, and it, it was grim. I can't remember now all the 
complaints that the X's were making. But you can imagine when you're 0, 3, and 1 for your last four games, uh, Coach Roy was really in, in hot water. So we played uh, Oklahoma State that week, uh, beat them 31 to 3. It was the first game that James started as quarterback that began the 30 game winning streak. And uh, certainly for James, it was uh, 20 games in a row that he started and won. But uh, the implementation of the wishbone was crucial. Uh, James was so quick and so decisive. He could really run that offense extremely well. And when you've got uh, the great offensive line we had that year, uh, Bob McKay and Bobby Wunsch, and uh, I'm not going to go through all of them, but we had a great offensive line, many of whom went on to play uh, NFL. Uh, great running backs, uh, and James able to pull the trigger on the triple auction. Uh, it was it was dynamite, and uh, that team uh, that team got better every week. We just did. That team improved week after week after week, and uh, I think I'm seeing the same thing with this year's team. I think they're getting better every week, and that's that's always good to see when a team is continuing to progress and grow and become more confident. The wishbone took a little bit of tinkering. I forget. Uh, I, I believe uh, the placement of the fullback was either moved up six inches or moved back six inches. But uh, when it's clicking, it's a dynamite, dynamite yeah. offense. When you've got four four backs who can run it and a quarterback who can pull the trigger, decide who to give it to or when to step back and pass, it's it can be intimidating. Well, the option the option exists still today. We saw Kansas run a, a version of it pretty successfully uh, last week. Uh, you mentioned Texas improving, uh, and Mike, you're a lot of people see you as an administrator, but you're also a football guy. Let's be clear. <laughs> um, you mentioned Texas. You see Texas improving right now. Um, I, I see it too. It, Quinn's starting to mature. It feels like he's starting to grow into his ability. Right. Um, the defense this year. It's it's the third year now of Pete Kwiatkowski, and, and Steve Sarkeesian talks about this, Mike. The need and the value of consistent teaching over time where the guys get comfortable and it's more second nature. Is, is that what you're seeing part of this? And then they're, they're growing in confidence at the same time. The last, I mean, people don't realize last 14 games, Texas football is 11 and three. That's, you would have taken that as athletic director, <laughs> you know, right? I mean, that's, that's my point, right? That's a pretty good run in this day and age specifically versus what Texas had been in the last decade or so, right? And so is that what you're seeing, that confidence grow that you talked about a little bit with you guys in the 68 team where y'all just kept growing on top of it? Well, confidence, of course, is a big part of it. I think it's also discipline and determination and drive. And uh, one thing that uh, our coaches stressed was to practice things over and over and over to where you don't have to think you, you react. You've already, you've already drilled that particular position so many times or that uh, reaction uh, on defense, the reaction to the other team's play or, or whatever. It, you're, you're executing. You're not having to think and then execute. And that, that means you can play uh, at a higher level of speed and confidence and direction. So uh, I, I do see that. Uh, I, I particularly see it in our, our line play. We now have depth on both offensive and defensive lines to where uh, you can run people in and out, rotate. Uh, I noticed particularly in the Baylor game, there were situations where uh, we'd have them in the third in an obvious passing situation. We would rush three and drop back, or not drop back, but play eight in, in a reactive defense. And 
Uh, our three were able to get a good push on their five because they were so strong and so quick. And because of the rotation of depth, they were fresh. So uh, that that's a big factor. But that, of course, starts with recruiting the right people a year or two or three ago. So uh, I'm, I'm very impressed with what I see uh, of building a pipeline of depth and then teaching the players uh, uh, over time how to execute. And uh, they're doing it. I just I, I'm, I'm really impressed. I like to watch the line play. You can get a sense from the push of which way the, the lines are going on offense or defense. And uh, also really compliment our running backs. They're letting the play develop. Some, some people seem to hit a hole so fast that the, the blocking hadn't developed yet. And uh, Jonathan Brooks, for instance, seems to have a real feel for letting that block occur. And all of a sudden there's the opening and he darts through it. So I'd have to say at every position I'm seeing progress week after week. And I'm very pleased by that. So I love it. You're, you here you are, you're, you're, you're retired, you're doing your things, but you're still keeping up with Texas football. Like you were there <laughs> part of, all right. Uh, Mr. Parent, I appreciate your time. I want to do this uh, since you mentioned it. Uh, Mike, I know that you mentioned Will Smith is the head of the Texas One Fund. Yes. If folks uh, want to give to the Texas One Fund, that's the NIL arm uh, for the University of Texas athletes. That URL is TexasOneFund.org. I don't think you'll mind me saying that uh, as an ad at all. TexasOneFund.org. Give them a shout. Uh, Mr. Perrin, uh, really appreciate it. And again, I think as a fellow Longhorn, uh, appreciate so many years of your service to our university. Glad to help out, Bobby, and appreciate all you and, and on three do for everybody. Thank you again. All right. Hook them, Mike. You bet. Hook them. Ha, <laughs> ha,